Welcome to the most enchanted podcast in all the realms. I'm Lynn. I'm Elisa. And I'm Chell. Together, we are the, the Narrators, Narrators 3. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch, where all plot devices come with a price. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 4, Episode 4, The Apprentice. The air date for this episode was October 29th, 2014. The writers were Andrew Chambliss and Dana Horgan. The director was Ralph Haymaker. And the title card featured an enchanted broom. We begin in the past of a long time ago, where a man is sweeping in the crumbling ruin of a castle. Suddenly, the torches blow out and the unknown man takes out a sword and tells the entity to show itself, addressing it as the Dark One. The Dark One, soon to be revealed as Zozo, Rumpelstiltskin's predecessor, wishes to open a magical box, but the man, revealed to be the sorcerer's apprentice, is ready to face him. Oh, Suso's back! Sorry I called you bootleg John Malkovich last time back in season one. I did not remember that you were Wormtongue at the time, and I'm very sorry I didn't recognize you. Oh shit, that's right. So the Dark One knocks him aside and attempts to open a box, but is repelled by an enchantment placed on it by the sorcerer himself. Oh, don't throw him, he's old. <laughs> this opening is like the crew really wanted an excuse to fling a couple of old men around. <laughs> they did it for the Lord of the Rings in-joke of it all. And it's because it's worm tongue, there he goes. The apprentice tells the Dark One that the box cannot be opened by someone who has succumbed to the darkness in their heart. The Dark One vanishes in a rage, and the apprentice says that no Dark One will ever possess what is contained within the box. This opening is so bad, it caused me physical pain. It was not the strongest cold opening. I mean, they tried something different, and it succeeded at being different. Bad. The word The word is bad. <laughs> I, I did really laugh at Zuso's delivery of the line, an enchantment? So, I, you know, I got some joy out of it. <laughs> at least you did. I wanted to go into the sea. You didn't even laugh at the old men spin flipping? Oh, wait. I know you didn't. Because I was there. You didn't laugh. You were just like, this is bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you were just like, this is so bad. And I was just like, but... I think I had my head in my hands at this point. <laughs> you did. Oh, God. <laughs> so early. <laughs> yeah, there are a number of uh, questionable choices in this episode, let's just say. So we immediately skip to the present day, where the jeweled box is sitting before Mr. Gold at the pawn shop. Using the Dark One dagger, Mr. Gold opens the box with ease and produces the sorcerer's hat. Boy, I sure have had enough of this guy. Meanwhile, Emma and Henry arrive at Granny's diner and stand before the building. Emma asks Henry if he's okay with the unknown task before her. No, Henry says, but I want you to be happy. I really like this little moment. Like, I like that Henry's so supportive of his mother. Even though he doesn't quite seem to understand Emma's romantic choice, and probably he's he's not thinking Killian is worthy of his mom, but he still loves and supports her choice and her feelings, and he wants her to be happy. And also makes me curious to know who did Henry, or does he still, wish for his mom to end up with? Because he basically, in the scene, he's like, this isn't the ship I wanted for you, mom, but if you want that handsome pirate, you go for it. I've got your back. Henry is the best boy, and he is the one person in this town with the most emotional maturity. Yeah. So easily. I'm I'm sure because he was, for lack of a better term, asleep, or like his memories were, you know, dormant for a full year, he didn't really get to process the death of his father and go through like the feelings of, I want my parents to be together again. Yeah. Like they were going to. So, I mean, I know there's allegedly... No way to bring Bay back, allegedly. Allegedly. But, you know, I'm I'm sure there's something in, in the back of his brain that's just like, I know it's wrong, but I can still wish it, you know. Yeah. And even in New York, he was shown to, like, be rooting for and have a connection with Walsh. Like, he was rooting for Walsh to be, like, Emma's future, right? They used Henry as a device to show that Walsh was a good guy before he's revealed to be a flying monkey which is Mm. still the worst still the worst yeah but clearly henry just wants his two moms to get together clearly easy peasy then he can live in one house yeah exactly (laughs) 
I mean, this new queen lady who's been hanging around the loft, she's awfully nice. She could probably make ice cream. Uh, yeah, and then that would mean Henry is also um, a prince on both sides of his mother's <laughs> lines. I guess he would be a prince anyway. He'd be a prince anyway. Both oh, both yeah. his moms are royalty. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. He'd be a triple prince. <laughs> no one would stand in his way. <laughs> Henry, the big bat all along. Oh, no. <laughs> Can you imagine? Too. Oh, my God. That would have been actually, you know what? That would have been awesome. <laughs> anyway. Henry then pushes Emma forward. Inside the diner, Emma marches over to Killian, who is playing darts, and assumes that she is there on business. Instead, Emma surprises him by asking Hook out on a date. Killian accepts, but insists on letting him plan the evening. As she leaves, Emma notices a puddle underneath her car that was not there when she had entered. Meanwhile, at the pawn shop, Mr. Gold arrives to find Hook cheekily sitting on a counter. Hook uses his leverage over Mr. Gold to demand his hand be reattached as he has a date with Emma and wishes to be able to hold her. And that's really fucking sweet. (laughs) Mr. Gold agrees to the task, but warns Hook that he is no longer the man that the hand belonged to and attaching it may have unforeseen consequences to which my thought then is get another hand. (laughs) Killian believes that Mr. Gold is trying to trick him and wishes to continue onward. A visibly worried Mr. Gold continues, saying as Hook giddily leaves the pawn shop, both hands intact, don't say I didn't warn you. The evil hand trope is something that has been around for a while. And like, I kind of remember this episode. I mostly actually just remember the flashback and the date, not so much the evil hand stuff. But when it started, I was like, oh man, I feel like a show did something really similar to this. And then I was like, well, I know movies. There's the movie Idle Hands with the possessed hand from the 90s. And then, of course, there's the classic Evil Dead, too. But I knew there was something in television that would be more similar to Killian's situation. And found myself down that good old TV trope site uh, on the trope of Evil Hands, because there is a page for it. And I learned something really interesting, which is that the Evil Hand trope actually makes an appearance in a Brother Grimm's tale. There's a story about three army surgeons who replace their own hand, heart, uh, and eyes, respectively. And they replace them with those of a hanged thief, a pig, and a cat. And the man who ended up with the thief's hand found that he couldn't resist stealing. And I'm positive this fairy tale is where this main inspiration for Killian's story here. And I thought that was cool that this is a not as common Grimm's tale that they're bringing in once upon a time. And so that actually made me appreciate this episode a little more. From TV Tropes, I did learn what TV show I was thinking of. And it was the show Angel, the Buffy spinoff, uh, where the character Lindsay, our favorite evil lawyer from that show, he gets an evil hand. So that's television that I was show that I was thinking of, where we've got our, our broody anti-hero getting an evil hand. There's also a Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episode where Homer gets a murder toupee. <laughs> snake's murderous toupee this this episode totally reminded me of it it was like the only thing i could think of uh-huh. the whole time i was watching it i was like oh we're doing the murder toupee yeah i, I remember that too i remember that too but yeah it all goes back to this this evil hand trope that is originates from brothers Grimm, and obviously because of all their stuff was taken from folklore that already existed like this is something that's been around for a long time so yeah, that's my uh that, that's that my, adds uh, a little bit more credence because right, it, I mean it's all very like whoop, 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 you know, it's very yeah. like stoogy otherwise. <laughs> it's very stoogy otherwise. So I think the fact that it, that has its roots in in folklore in in the Grimm's fairy tales mm-hmm. fits quite nicely into Once Upon a Time. Later that evening, David and Mary Margaret are helping Elsa at their loft by going through the census records, hoping to find the identity of the Snow Queen. It's actually really smart. Emma interrupts, asking their opinion, wearing a dress for her date with Hook, and all three of them are breathless. Especially Elsa. No, I'm just kidding. Where am I? (laughs) Emma sees the work before the trio and offers to stay and help, but Elsa encouraged her new bestie to go and live her life. Mary Margaret snaps a Polaroid of Emma, cooing over her daughter's big date, which is such a cute, cute, cute scene. It's super cute. I really loved everyone seeing her off on her big date, like it's prom or something. It was adorable. 
definitely Snow and Charming getting to like live a moment they would have missed from Emma growing up and also a moment Emma never really got growing up. So it was a really sweet scene. I also love the addition of the Polaroid because I think that's like a nice nod to the tech they would have had in 1983 Mm -hmm. um, when they first came to Storybook. Yeah. Hook soon arrives wearing modern clothes, which leaves Emma rather stunned. He then presents Emma with a red rose from his newly restored hand. Hook tells Emma to refer to him as Killian and escorts her away with only a half-teasing remark from David offering to drive them. After the lovebirds take off, Mary Margaret, Elsa, and David resume their task. In the enchanted forest of the past, Anna arrives at Rumpelstiltskin's castle only to find he knows more about her than she anticipated. Anna immediately comments on Rumpelstiltskin's skin. And I'm like, girl, you can't just comment on someone's skin like that. It's rude. I know. I like that he wasn't expecting that either. And was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I can't say that. She's like, who raised you? I'm really sensitive. <laughs> Honestly, in other circumstances, like other circumstances, I could see Anna and a more benign Rumpelstiltskin kind of getting along because they both have like chaos energy <laughs> that I actually think would complement each other in like I said like an a like a very fluffy AU where he's only like mildly irritating you know and not like straight up evil <laughs> yeah. not a war criminal not a war yeah. criminal right exactly <laughs> because they they play off each other actually really well mm-hmm The Dark One reveals that Anna's parents paid him a visit on their journey seeking answers. Rumpelstiltskin offers to help if she makes a deal with him. Anna states that she will do whatever it takes to find out why her parents visited the Enchanted Forest. And Rumpelstiltskin comments that he loves when people say they will do whatever it takes. He tasks her to slipping the contents of a vial into the tea of a prickly old man who likely eats children for breakfast. Anna goes to the cottage of this man, who is revealed to be the apprentice, and after a brief conversation in which she realizes he is just like a kind, ordinary old man, Anna decides to throw away the contents of the vial into the fire, thinking that it's poison. The apprentice actually really charmed me in this scene. Like Anna, I was like, oh no, this old man's my grandpa now, and I'll fight anyone who comes to harm him. I had, like, secondhand anxiety for Anna in this scene, struggling what to do with the little potion. I was just like, oh, no, he's a he's a nice old man who's being kind to you. And if this was an episode of Buffy, he would die the next scene. Aww. Yeah. Anytime an old happen. man is nice to Buffy, they have to die. <laughs> it's Aww. so sad. Yeah. Oh, that's anytime terrible. There's a, yeah, anytime there's, like, besides Giles, anytime there's a mentor who's kind Giles is her, not an old man. I was like, do not call Anthony Stewart head old. <laughs> how dare you that's my buffy boyfriend i am probably older than him now than he that's when he started that's my buffy boyfriend i I only called out giles because he's a mentor not because he's old i love it's literally any old man if they're even like nice to buffy for a second oh Mm -hmm. that's terrible yeah they always get killed for buffy's pain and you're just like oh okay Anyway, so that's why I was so worried about this this nice old man in the scene. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> well, back in the present day, Killian takes Emma to Tony's, a nice Italian restaurant where we get a glimpse of the humans who were obviously Lady and the Tramp. God, they better be. Otherwise, this scene is very gross. It's still a little gross, honestly, once it's human and not cute cartoon dogs. Yeah. <laughs> so they're credited as the Spaghetti Man and Spaghetti Woman. Mm-hmm. But spaghetti man. it was it was like I was like, oh, it's Lady in the Tramp. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely was like, that's Lady in the Tramp. You know, I hope that's Lady in the Tramp. <laughs> yeah, I looked them up too, like the actors and they really like neither one have like done too much. So I think like this was like a director writer kind of like, wouldn't this be cute? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, Easter egg. Yeah. Storybook resident Easter egg. And it makes up the Lady in the Tramp for people now because Gus Gus is a mouse. Right. Now a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Justice for Gus Gus. Justice for Gus Gus. I miss you, Gus Gus. You know what? Here's... You know what? Fuck it. Gus Gus is alive and well in my heart. So, <laughs> so fuck that. Fuck I mean, less <laughs> deserving people have come back from the dead. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and less deserving people are still going to come back from the dead. Yeah. yeah. 
Also, can you believe there's a second sit-down restaurant in Storybrooke? Do you think it wasn't actually part of the curse and it was like opened by a resident of Storybrooke now that they all actually have agency over their life's choices? Like maybe this is new. So the wiki is very little help. I thought Tony's existed beforehand, but this is definitely the first time we ever see the interior of it. But I swear that we've seen the exterior. Have we? I don't remember there being another restaurant besides Granny's. Maybe not. And I guess now an ice cream shop. But any given Sunday is definitely new, for sure. Well, yeah. That's why yeah. I said, and now an ice cream yeah. shop. Yeah. But yeah, because because all the citizens in Storybrooke, they still have their knowledge from their cursed lives, but they're not living their cursed lives anymore. So so technically, they could do whatever they wanted within the confines of Storybrooke. So like, yeah, Granny's could have some competition now that she didn't have before. Thank God. She had a monopoly. At nighttime, she put out the tablecloths. That's where they had the dates. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Maybe she'll go to either that or the rabbit hole. Ooh, yeah. Which honestly wasn't really that bad. The rabbit hole? Yeah. No, it was was not that seedy. It it would be a shame if someone put that battle axe out of business. Well, Tony's gunning for it. Yeah. I don't know Tony. Oh, Tony, 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 of course. Tony Tony gets my full support. Yeah, he's uh he's coming for a cut of the, the maybe, maybe, restaurant maybe Floyd was sick and tired of not being treated well and for Granny like using frozen lasagna. Oh yeah, and he, he went and to taking all the credits, taking all the credit. So he mm-hmm. went over and started Tony's. There we go. So maybe named him. it after his uh, grandpa. You know. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I accept it. Head head canning accepted. There you go. <laughs> Emma and Hook are noticed by Will who tries to exit without them noticing, but accidentally knocks wine onto Emma's lap. Hook grabs Will and tells him to apologize to Emma in a menacing voice. When Emma recognizes Will from the incident with the ice cream shop, Will runs from the couple. Emma stands up to run after him, but takes a deep breath and decides to let it go and enjoy her date. Hook looks at his hand and begins to wonder about Mr. Gold's warning. And evil hand possession is not exactly the Treehouse of Horror level hijinks I signed up for with this show, but here we are. Also, can we just applaud Emma? Character growth? I know. I'm so proud of her. She chose the date. She chose her date. She was like, no. I'm going to do something for myself. Right. Self-care, Emma. This is, this is, choose, choose you. You choose you. Meanwhile, Regina and Henry are going through Regina's stores of potions in her vault and cannot find something that will unfreeze Marion. Gosh, I just love this little plot of Regina and Henry working together to solve the mysteries of this season. It's it's so charming. I love it. I love this development. This is this is amazing. This is everything I wanted for both of them. So Henry surmises that Robin Hood is still in love with Regina because true love's kiss did not unfreeze Marion. So here's what I don't get. I mean, I know the answer because I've seen this season already. But considering the last few times we've seen True Love's Kiss needed in modern Storybrooke, why haven't they tried having R- Roland? That's the that's the yes. kid's yeah. name. Yes. That's the kid's name. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> why haven't they tried having Roland kiss Marion? Like that worked with both Emma and Henry and Henry and Regina, and they're pulling Frozen into this arc which at its center is that the love between family is strong enough to break a curse. So, like, why place all your bets on Robin Hood breaking the curse? I don't know. It seems poorly thought out and not in keeping with the show's own lore to not even try. Roland only loves Regina as his new mom now, too. Roland's like, she would buy me ice cream, like, every time we went out. Like, we learned that last week before the Frozen situation happened. So clearly, curly superior. Yeah, I have a feeling Roland is like, I don't know who this other lady dad has been hanging out with is, but she pales in comparison to Mama Regina. Regina's <laughs> my mom now. I love Regina. Regina says that this time Henry may be too young to fully understand everything, which I call bullshit on because this kid gets everything. But I get it. She just doesn't want to talk about it. Elsewhere. Hook walks Emma home, and at the door to the loft they share a kiss after Emma jokingly invites him in for coffee with her parents, a newborn, and a human ice maker. Killian says they will just have to wait until next time, as he asks her out on another follow-up date. In response, Emma kisses him. During the kiss, Hook notices his left hand acting aggressively. Raced. <laughs> 
Killian just staring at his evil hand while kissing Emma was so funny and weird. And like, Emma deserves a better kiss than this. Stop staring at your evil hand for a minute. Right? He's just like, mm. I'm like, I know. I'm like, don't need to, just I'm like, are you in love with her or your hand? hand. <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's very outer limits. No, it's not even outer limits. It's Tales from the Crypt. It's just like, oh my God. This, wait, what fucking level of creep show is this? Did you see this is a. Uh... This is our friend uh, Andrew Chambliss. I did see that, of course. <laughs> but I saw he had he had a handler. You know, he had a handler, which is why this episode is a mixed bag. It's yeah. a mixed bag. There are definitely good stuff in here. The good stuff in here. There are some nice moments in this episode. There is a good stuff in here. There is a good stuff in here, but there's also evil hand. Yeah, there's a lot of that. <laughs> Emma walks inside. And basks in the glow of her kiss for approximately five seconds before a cheerful Mary Margaret eagerly asks for all the details about her daughter's date. Emma pardons herself to go to bed, remarking that she can hear her parents as they marvel upon her happiness and Killian's reformation. Meanwhile, Hook runs into a drunk Will Scarlet trying to break into the library and punches him in the face when Will refuses to stop. Hook again is put off by his hand controlling his actions and tells Will that if he informs anyone of what happened, he will be a dead man. You leave Will alone, Killian. Don't you hurt him with your evil hand. Even if, I guess, maybe Killian's just really concerned about supporting his local library. <laughs> supporting us, your local library. <laughs> Do you have a card? Do you have a card for that? You know how those hours. hard Bell works to keep this place nice? She's a one-woman show in there. Yeah, I, I mean, I shot her once, but I respect her. It wasn't Your personal. Card. It wasn't personal. <laughs> Back in the past... Anna returns to Rumpelstiltskin and informs him that she gave the contents of the vial to the apprentice. Rumpel says that is good because it is an antidote to a poison that the apprentice was given yesterday. Anna, horrified by this, tells Rumpelstiltskin the truth and says they must go back to the cottage. They look in Rumpelstiltskin's crystal ball and see the man succumbing to the poison by turning into a mouse. Because the sorcerer's apprentice is Mickey Mouse. Jeez Louise, I don't like it here sometimes. <laughs> the mouse is very cute, though. It's a real mouse. But this apprentice looks like the actual sorcerer from Fantasia. Yensid. But apparently he's the apprentice, which means him Mickey. So now he's now a mouse. He's, so now, now he's, he's a mouse. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's gotta be a mouse. Okie dokie. <laughs> so they go to the cottage and Rumpelstiltskin states that he won't change the man back if they find him because the apprentice is protecting the magic box. Anna realizes that Rumpelstiltskin is the person who poisoned the apprentice. And welcome to the plot, Anna. <laughs> he goes on to tell her that the man is just the first line of defense. In order to open the box, he needs magic from someone who had been tempted by their inner darkness only to turn away from it. He was planning on Anna not to give the antidote. Anna insists that she doesn't have inner darkness, as she was never tempted to give the apprentice the vile contents anyway. Rumpelstiltskin reminds her that due to the contract, she will spend the rest of her life in his tower. He then taunts her by stating that Elsa will be guilt-ridden and heartbroken since Anna left because of her and become a monster again. He also states that the wedding will now be off. Anna refuses to accept this and holds a sword to Rumpelstiltskin's heart, demanding him to rip up the contract. He urges her to run him through the sword, but she collapses after having thought about actually killing him. Dang it, Anna. I was rooting for you. Anna going straight for the sword and telling him to rip off the contract was very, very good, though. She got quick reflexes. Yeah, but no follow through. Yeah, because she's, she's, she's a good person. She's got a good, she's got a gentle heart. Yeah. She's got the rage. She's got a gentle heart, though. <laughs> Did you just go... Mm. <laughs> uh, disapproving Marge Simpson noises. Mm. <laughs> I feel like she would do well spending some time with Mulan. That'd be cute. That'd be cute. That'd be very I like cute. that. Her, cute. Mulan, and Merida. Oh my god. <laughs> that would be cute. 
That'd be super cute. Anna sheds a tear, which Rumpelstiltskin collects on his dagger, allowing him to open up the box. Anna chides Rumpelstiltskin for using her love for Elsa as a weapon, but he replies that love is a weapon. It is just that so few people know how to wield it. Even though the flashback story here is really feeling a bit silly at some of these times with what the spinning old men and the mouse, but Anna's actress really gives it her all during this and like the next scene that follows and still really makes you like feel for her throughout all this. So I just wanted to give shout out to to the actress playing Anna. She really holds her own through some of these these more ridiculous moments and the more serious moments. I think she's doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Flash forward to Storybrooke. As Mr. Gold is preparing to go home in his car, Hook enters the passenger door and demands that Mr. Gold replace his hand with his hook again. Gold refuses, saying Hook should have heeded his warnings. Hook threatens to inform Belle of the dagger, but Gold then tells him that he has swapped the daggers and that Belle has the actual dagger now. Mr. Gold says he will replace the hand once Killian does a favor for him. He refuses to give Hook a definitive date or time, and Hook states that he can find a way to remove it without magic. Mr. Gold tells Hook that since his magic restored the hand, only his magic can actually take it off. Enraged, Hook thrusts the hook into Gold's chest. However, Mr. Gold is unharmed, stating that he would have thought that Hook would have learned the first time he tried to kill Rumpelstiltskin that way. Hook states that it wasn't him that did that, And Mr. Gold states that the next time he may harm someone else who he actually cares about. Hook insists that he will do whatever it takes. And Mr. Gold says that he loves it when people say that. He then tells Hook to meet him at the docks in the morning. Hook is really given big Jeff from coupling asking a chef to chop his leg off because he's met the girl of his dreams, but he has too many legs. I've got too many legs. What? I have no idea what this <laughs> reference is. Okay, it's an old British TV show named Coupling. And it's basically all about a bunch of like early 30-somethings who are terrible at dating. And yes. Jeff is super, super, super awkward. And he meets this absolutely beautiful girl. And he like keeps telling this lie that spins out of control to make himself seem cooler. And one of the things is like in a panic, he says, I've only got one leg. And things start going really well with this girl. And she's like, come back to my house. And he's like, shit, she's going to figure it out. And they're in a restaurant and he like asks the chef to chop his leg off because he's like, I've met the girl of my dreams, but I've got too many legs. That is Hook in this moment. So that's that's really all I could is. think of was I've met the girl of my dreams, but I've got too many legs. Too many legs. <laughs> yeah, coupling was... They made like a US version, didn't they? It, they did. It did go well. Here's the funny thing about making the US version of coupling. Coupling was the UK wanting to remake Friends, and they took their own spin on it, so it wasn't a direct remake Friends, but Coupling is the UK wanting to make Friends. And then the US was like, oh, we'll we'll make it here, too. And you're like, guys, that was them trying to make Friends. Mm. It was actually even Moffat's first big project, ah. which, looking which back in retrospect, yeah. but it's, it's loosely yeah. based on him and his wife when they were dating and not married yet. That's why the two leads of it are Steve and Susan. Oh, okay. Did he Steve have two is... legs? No, that's Jeff. Oh, that's Jeff. That's Jeff. <laughs> uh, Jeff is act- their super awkward friend. <laughs> I wonder who uh, he's based off of. <laughs> uh, Steve's actor, uh, I love so much, though. I can't remember his name, but it's Commander Norrington from the Pirates of the Caribbean oh, movies. Oh, yes. Um, Davenport. Jack, Jack Davenport. Yes! Jack Davenport. Yes! Oh, yeah, I love so funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's so funny. I love him. I love watching Pirates of the Caribbean, but with like the the commentary with him and Kira Knightley. I need to watch that. Oh my God. It's so hilarious because it's just them like ragging on each other, <laughs> especially her going, there you are. So vain looking at yourself again. He goes, I am. Look at me. I'm so majestic. <laughs> no, it's great. Jack Davenport is married to Michelle Gomez, who played <gasps> Missy, the master mm-hmm. on Doctor Who. No way! Oh yes. my god! Oh, yeah, how hot is that? I is love so, that couple. It's, it's very hot, but it's also just very sweet. Oh my god, they must laugh all the time because they're both such funny people. Like they have to make each other laugh like all the time. I bet because they both just have like really great sense of humor. Okay, the fucking way. The next morning, Emma is driving through the town when her car spins out on a small patch of ice. Emma spies the Snow Queen and makes chase, demanding to know why she is being followed, but the Snow Queen vanishes. 
Ingrid is just like, I'm barely in this episode, but I'm going to be as dramatic as possible and just leave puddles everywhere. <laughs> puddles of my tears. <laughs> Belle calls Emma and tells her to meet her at the library because there's a situation. And we next see Will on the library floor next to a bottle of alcohol, snuggling a copy of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Will drunkenly sleeping and cutting the book with like a brick by him too <laughs> was such a good visual. And it just, it told so much story in just a quick scene. And I loved it. I love this moment in the episode. I do too. I don't know if it's Ralph Haymaker. I don't know if it's one of the writers. I don't know if it's the actors or what, but there are like some really good visual cues in this episode. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, as gross as we did find Lady and the Tramp, we, we understood that this was Lady and the Tramp. You know, yeah. like, we understood the assignment, you know? They were having fun with this one. Yeah. Like, yeah. visually having fun. Yeah. Right, exactly. So, and I, I just appreciated that. And, like, again, like, I don't know who, who was doing that. Maybe it was even the AD, but it, good job. Good job. Meanwhile, Mr. Gold finds Killian sleeping on the docks and wakes him. He produces a broom and tells Hook it is going to help him find an old friend. When Mr. Gold lets go of the broom, it begins walking off and he tells Hook to follow it. This was probably the 12th time that I said, what? No, this is stupid. This episode. <laughs> like, why? This is so extra in the most needless way. It's so dumb. It felt like it hurt moments. my feelings. That it was specifically there to clip out for the trailer. Probably. You know, you know, mm. it felt like probably or they're like, we want to have the like the broom from the, the sort of. And then the there apprentice. are visual cues where they then just beat us over the head with an yeah. enchanted broom. And then you're like, mm -hmm. I get it. Shut the All fuck right. up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I understand. Yeah, we get it. He's supposed to be the sort yeah, like we've the seen apprentice. We've seen the damn hat already. Seen the hat. You played the music. We we got yeah, it. Yeah, it's fine. He's a mouse now. We got it. <laughs> it's fine. We see what you're doing here. We're we're good. Back in the past, Rumpelstiltskin emerges from the basement vault with the box, and Anna tells him to tell her what happened to her parents since she helped him retrieve the box. What's in the box? Rumpelstiltskin tells Anna that the king and queen of Arendelle arrived on his doorstep seeking a way to take away Elsa's powers forever. Anna argues that her parents loved Elsa, but Rumpelstiltskin argues that their actions implied that they feared her. He tells her that they did not find what they were looking for, but the box contains the sorcerer's hat, which can take away any person's magic. Man, Anna and Elsa's parents are garbage people. <laughs> yeah. Rumpelstiltskin states that the hat will make him unstoppable when the hat has enough power in it. Christ. Anna I know. Okay, whatever. This is so dumb. <laughs> Anna tells him that the apprentice could stop him, but Rumpelstiltskin states that he is no longer there. However, the apprentice, now in the form of a mouse, jumps onto Rumpelstiltskin's hand and bites him, causing him to drop the dagger. Hooray for bootleg Mickey Mouse or something. I, I did actually love the mouse attacking Rumpelstiltskin. It gave me a giggle. Yeah, I like that Anna saw the mouse like Mission Impossible style, like above yeah. in the rafter. <laughs> and like, I was yeah. just like, he's being the mouse lower. is gonna wreck him. He, he almost reminds me of the mouse that was in uh Spirited Away. <laughs> like, oh, baby. oh baby, baby, oh, yeah, baby. baby. <laughs> like just the level of like ridiculous is like you may as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> he needed a little sit sprite to like lower him down. <laughs> <laughs> so Anna quickly grabs the dagger and realizes that she can control him with it. Anna then uses the dagger to force Rumpelstiltskin to give her the box saying he will never harm either of the sisters and their family, as well as commanding him to turn the apprentice back into his human form. He agrees, because he has no choice, and sends Anna away in a puff of red smoke before screaming in a fit of rage. Anna, that was very clever. Good job. I'm impressed. She, she, she figured almost out the fucked game. it up, too, and then she... <laughs> but then she got, like, it. Oh, she got it. She got it. She was like, wait a minute. Wait, wait. That would have been funny if she's like... And I really want something very savory because I'm a stress eater. Want <laughs> <laughs> some chocolate, me. please? In present day storybook, the broom leads Mr. Gold and Hook to a red house in town and knocks on the door. I will say this props to them for, I'm like, oh, 
fun. That's a practical, like that's, that's a real street. That's not a CGI house. Good job. <laughs> We've never seen this house before. This is Yay. amazing. I got very excited for a new location. <laughs> like two new locations in one in one go. Tony's oh, and man, this place. I mean, so I apprentice- guess I'll give them that. The apprentice answers the door and Mr. Gold tells Hook to force him into a chair. Mr. Gold then opens the box and produces the hat. The apprentice tells Mr. Gold that no dark one ever succeeds with the hat, stating that he will never have enough power to use it. Mr. Gold then uses the hat to pull the man into the hat and increase its power. Sometimes I wonder if the writers don't ever realize how silly something sounds when they're putting it down because, good lord. (laughs) This poor old dude, he didn't deserve this silly of a fate. (laughs) No, no, he doesn't. Also, what the fuck is, like, I don't under, like, I don't. I don't understand what Mr. Gold is doing. Like, I do not know his objective. I'm like, you are married to the, literally to the woman of your dreams. You have a successful ish business. Like you're living a good life. Like, why are you fucking it up? Like, I don't like you have a nice, healthy grandson. You know, you could have what Regina has if you just stop fucking up. Like what, like, what is this? Like what? I- to what fucking end is this? You know, I will tell you. I remember tons about this season. I remember tons about the Frozen Arc. I remember tons about season four B. I don't remember why he's collecting magic in the hat. I do not remember what Rumpelstiltskin's game is here. Right? Because like, okay, if it's to bring Bay back, okay, I, I like, I get it. Right? Like, resorting to basically old habits, right, for the same purpose. Like, I get that. But like, so far, it has not made clear at all what the fuck he's doing and why like why you know and i know that this is where a lot of rumpelstiltskin fans especially like rumble fans this is where like the majority of them left the show they left it early on in season four they were like if they didn't already leave it in season three they left it in season four for sure they're like what the fuck like he made so much progress in season two and this is just continuously for this particular character going further and further downhill because the they felt and I think justifiably so that their creators were too chicken shit to bring on other villains. They were like, oh, he's too good of a villain. And I'm like, no, he, nah, but he just looks dumb at this point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They didn't trust their other villains to carry their own, which I, which I think they do. Like, like Peter Pan absolutely carried, carries his own. Ingrid here we barely know her but like I think she she's definitely uh, yeah she she's owns it pretty this season. fucking creepy yeah and like, uh for anyone who's seen 4b I don't want to say too much to spoil it but like great villains in 4b so I don't I don't know yeah I, I don't I don't get it like if I if I were Robert Carlyle I'd be so fucking frustrated I'd be like I'd have left the show honestly yeah I'd have been, I'd been like why the fuck am I it's like I have like, literally is, anything better to do than this yeah like why is my character just going in circles like this is stupid you know like Lana complained I know and yeah and then she got the growth she wanted yeah I don't know yeah. I don't know anyway sorry I just I had to just get that off my chest I was just... back in Arendelle of the past Kristoff is talking to Sven <laughs> as one does when Anna appears Sven is so cute. I just yeah. love this reindeer. I, I really, I love that they have a real reindeer. He's so big. He's so cute. Like, I've I've been around real reindeer before, but, like, the smaller kind. Like, remember when Galaxy's Edge was the, um... Oh, the ranch? The ranch, yeah. The Big Thunder Ranch. <laughs> the Big Thunder Ranch, that's always where I saw reindeer all the time, like, every, every year. They are, like, half the size of Sven. And I was like, that reindeer is gigantic. <laughs> And I'm not saying they can't be big. They can. And he's probably a, a Svalbard reindeer, because those are the ones that are indigenous to Norway. But I'm just like, wow, he's very big. The two embrace and share a kiss. She tells Kristoff that her parents left Arendelle to find a way to get rid of Elsa's powers. And Anna says she has no idea what to tell Elsa. And I'm like, a lie. You lie. You lie to her. Oh, well, that was that. Adventure had. Let's get on with the wedding. Mom and dad were great people, Elsa. <laughs> no worries. No worries here. You know, <laughs> you know, that poor woman hates herself enough. You know? She, yeah. Yeah. I, I do actually agree with you here. Like, it's like un- under no circumstances do you tell Elsa. <laughs> no. 
I mean, not that Anna couldn't, because I mean, Anna, Anna could not. Like, she's she's a compulsive truth teller. She loves her sister too much, and I I respect that. But like, if it were me, I'd have been like, nope, take it, nope, take oh, it well. to the grave. Uh-uh. Yeah, nope, take it to the grave. Exactly. Don't worry about it, Elsa. <laughs> In Storybrooke, at Mister Gold's shop, he swaps Hook's hand for the actual hook, but says that their deal is not done. Hook says that it is done because he saw Mister Gold use the real dagger to open the box which means he is still lying to Belle. Mr. Gold produces a videotape with a recording from the house that they just left, threatening to reveal it to Emma. Hook states that he only did it to rid himself of the cursed hand to be a better man and that Emma would understand that, but she would. Mr. Gold then reveals that his hand is not cursed, but it allowed Hook to be, quote, the man he really is. Mr. Gold states that the hand allows him to be his true pirate self and embrace his darkness. Oh, Dip, it's not an evil hand. It's just a jerky Killian. Yeah, I might have audibly groaned at this part. Like, if you're going to have an evil hand, make it an evil hand. Because that (laughs) means for the last 40-ish minutes, we have watched Killian just staring (laughs) bewilderedly at a regular hand, making shit up in his head with, like, the klaxon alarm from Kill Bill going off in his head, all of the bride. (laughs) Which, honestly rumpelstiltskin making that happen to killian is checks out <laughs> and i'm just, just like, like i'm like killian what does it say about you <laughs> and your self-esteem and your confidence in yourself that you're letting this guy just fucking get to you <laughs> like, like playing mind games evil hand you? now i have an evil hand oh god well you know he's pretty he's but not he, smart he's not smart no he's, he's not, not smart no. Alexa, play Litz, my own worst enemy for Killian. <sighs> he's a he's a himbo. Oh yeah. I love a himbo. Himbo sometimes thinks their hands are evil if uh <laughs> if if a shiny wizard I... tells him so. <laughs> threatens that he'll have no problem crushing Belle's heart, which rude. And Mr. Gold states that if that happens, he will lose Emma. <sighs> For his threats, Gold states that Hook now serves him for as long as he lives, anticipating the fun they will have together. Gross. Yeah, this whole scene is not great. Yeah. Like, you're just going to stand around threatening each other's girlfriends? Great. That's great. Cool. Cool, dudes. Cool. May as well just, like, whip them out and measure them. Like, Pretty much. Andrew Chambliss, did you write this scene? I bet yeah, this is, this is a Chambliss scene. Yeah, this has his fingerprints all over it, honestly. Yeah. yeah. This is a frustrating plot. Rumpelstiltskin is doing this to like prove to Killian that he's like not a changed man. And that's clearly Rumpelstiltskin taking out on Killian what he sees in himself because he's also, you know, clearly not a changed man. Meanwhile, Emma visits the sheriff's station to talk to Will and shows him the book that he was found next to. He, uh, he says it has no meaning for him, which, hmm. Will, with the illustration of the Red Queen having been ripped out and put into his pocket, broke my heart. I love Will and Anastasia so much. It hurt my little heart. Emma looks at his eye and asks what happened. Will sees Hook arrive and he claims that he does not remember what happened to his eye. When Emma asks Killian about his Hook returning, Killian states that Mr. Gold's magic wasn't what he had hoped it would be. David, going through documents with Elsa, tells Emma that the Snow Queen's alias, Sarah Fisher, is nowhere in any Storybrooke records, stating that she did not arrive at the town via the curse. Hook, Emma, David, and Elsa all look at each other, wondering how the Snow Queen arrived at Storybrooke, and Emma asks what she wants with her. Meanwhile, Henry tells Regina that they need to talk to his other grandfather, Mr. Gold, about finding out who wrote the book to find the author. Regina says that Mr. Gold will not want to help her, but Henry has a plan. He goes to the shop and tells Mr. Gold that he wants to work at the shop as his apprentice. Henry states that because his father is dead, Mr. Gold is the closest link to him. And Mr. Gold agrees to let Henry be his apprentice, but tells him not to touch anything and stay out of the back room. Then Mr. Gold hands him the broom that he and Hook used to find the apprentice. After Mr. Gold leaves, Henry begins to sweep the floor in the same manner in which The Apprentice was sweeping earlier. End credits. Well, this episode wasn't the worst ever and had some aspects I liked. Mostly Henry being clever overall, I thought it was pretty exasperating. 
it felt like watching a b-grade horror movie where almost everyone is firing on like two percent of their brain power and doing (laughs) things and making choices no human being would it also brought in one of my very few issues with frozen which is how deeply elsa and anna's parents failed them which i felt like at least once upon a time calls them out for because the original material doesn't it even attempts to make them more sympathetic in frozen too like they didn't you know lock their daughter in a room for over a decade because being herself is horrifying yeah this episode is a real mixed bag for me it has a few great moments like our sneaky lad henry offering to be rumpelstiltskin's apprentice the mostly visual storytelling moments of will they're these small moments here but they mean so much to an audience who has watched once upon a time in wonderland i thought those are very well done I also really enjoyed Emma's parents getting to live their dreams of their daughter going off to prom, essentially. I had a lot of fun with those moments. But the sorcerer's hat stuff was pretty silly. I hate Killian's backslide and the blackmailing plot. Like, you finally got Emma and Hook together show. Either let Emma have something nice or just don't. It's very frustrating for them to throw this wrench in. Just not a big fan of the blackmailing plot. Other than that, I do appreciate them bringing in a reference to a more obscure Brothers Grimm story. As silly as Evil Hand was, I think that's kind of fun. I'd like to see more obscure fairy tales poking in here. Also, uh, for those that remember our friends' wild season four predictions from our season three wrap-up episode, uh, we actually have Ariana's second correct prediction here. Wow. While the circumstances are not the same as her prediction, she did correctly guess that Henry would become Gold's apprentice. She's going to be so thrilled that she got to write so far. Yeah. (laughs) I love Henry so much. He is his grandfather's lad, devious, but with Snow White's charm and dimples. This felt like half a Once Upon a Time episode and half an episode of something that would be lampooned on an episode of MST3K. Also, Emma's superpower is, like, conveniently forgotten yet again. I just have to, like, I guess get used to the fact that, like, the writers are just going to use it as a device that's only convenient for them and not a consistent thing that happens. Because she asked Will, like, she's she's asked, like, multiple people, like, questions. And she'd be able to tell if they were lying, you know? And I'm just like... I don't know why you're expecting consistency this late in the game. I know. We give her the benefit of the doubt. Maybe there's so many threads she's like making note of it, but hasn't followed up on it yet. Yeah. Maybe 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 it requires her to like really concentrate as well. Like maybe it's only like when she's like really focused, which I would believe if that was something that they had established, you know, like she's really got to like, you you know, like as if she's doing any magic, like she's really got to focus. So I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Let's move on to costumes. Emma looked so cute in her ponytail and pink dress. Emma's dress was custom made for this scene specifically by the costume department. So I hope Jennifer got to keep it. Nice. It was a really, it was really cute. Mm-hmm. They, they really styled Emma different for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell that she like was very nervous and excited about like this first date. I wonder if her mom helped her get ready. I don't think so because remember she. Oh, came she's surprised. She yeah, surprised she's surprised them, to yeah. see. Yeah. Um, although I will say this, I like that it's a blush pink because it does indicate like new love, nervousness. Like the color palette is very on point. You know the symbolism and stuff. Mm-hmm. So props to the costume department. She looks super cute, but like we didn't get much in the way of costumes other than her date dress though did we and Um, i guess like a lot of old man wear in the beginning of the episode bell has a very adorable yellow top that's reminiscent of like the bell dress it has like a flouncy boat neck with kind of like a rose oh yeah that was cute yeah very cute i do not remember it that's okay. I mean, she was in it for so briefly. I'm actually, gonna say, I'm like actively looking second. at the photos. Yeah. I was about to say, I'm surprised you noticed it because like Belle's in this episode for like a sneeze. Yeah. It's because I'm looking at costumes. This is the start of our uh, modern wear Killian, who I think we have for just the rest of the show. Oh, nice. Yeah, he I mean, looks very get, handsome. He looks good. At, I think the look they picked for modern Killian was right. Mm-hmm. It feels in the spirit of his, like, what he wore as a pirate. Yeah. 
not like a, a fitted motorcycle jacket. It's not like a proper motorcycle jacket. Like it's a fashion and yeah. it's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it a lot. It is now time to play Who's That Guest Star? So in season four, episode four, we have Timothy Weber as The Apprentice. Canadian character actor Timothy Weber is best known for his roles on Loudermilk, War of the Planet of the Apes, Arctic Air, Men in Trees, The X-Files, North of 60, Call of the Wild, and Supernatural. Fun fact, he was in the second episode of Supernatural, like first season, second episode, that's the one he was in, which just feels wild since it was so close to the beginning. And Lynn and me both recognized him right away from that early episode because we we actually, well, number one, we actually just watched the early years, but we've watched the, the early first few seasons uh, quite a bit in college. So we're like, oh, yeah, it's the guy from the Wendigo episode. Nice. He was on Supernatural before the rest of them were. Before it was cool. Before it was cool. <laughs> Should we rephrase that? When it was cool. <laughs> when oh, it was God, cool. yeah, no kidding. Yeah. He was on Supernatural when it was still cool. <laughs> Before you didn't go to gay super hell. Just remember what that uh, that necklace uh, told us. You're, You're only, only gay, gay once. once. What? Oh, there's so much to explain. I'll I'll see if I can find it while you're doing time. It's an official merch piece, though, and it, it was, is. And it was the tweet that went with the release of this necklace what? to celebrate Castiel's love confession and then trip to super hell. I mean, it's only really to celebrate the first part, but yeah. I mean, okay, I I know the context of the last episode. So you don't have to at least explain that to me. Oh, sorry, but I get spoilers for Supernatural. But if you were online when this happened, you know, it was a wild night. It was a wild night on Tumblr and I was watching it unfold with like popcorn. And I just kept like watching my dash, like just go insane. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> Sarah Zed did a great history video on it. It's like two hours long. It's two hours long. And I really like, want to watch it. But it's yeah. like the night Dust Deal broke Tumblr or broke the internet i don't forget what it's called but uh it's a great video highly recommend when you have the time to watch it anyways <laughs> let's uh depart from that madness and uh go ahead and take a trip down once upon a timeline all right so the first flashback in this episode is actually the oldest we have seen so far in the enchanted forest timeline and so what flashbacks follow it well the flashbacks that most closely follow those are that of Malcolm and Young Rumple in Season 3, Episode 8, Think Lovely Thoughts. And now the main flashbacks in this episode take place very shortly after those seen in Season 4, Episode 2, White Out. As there we see Anna set off to find Rumpelstiltskin. And once again, the one we have seen so far that most closely follow the ones we've seen here in this episode are Season 1, Episode 12, Skin Deep where Belle first volunteers to work for Rumpelstiltskin in return for his help to save her home. And that's it. That's what I have. All right. Rants and raves time. Old school Sweeney Todd with Angela Lansbury is streaming right now. And it makes me very happy. Even it gives my wife anxiety watching murder musicals with me. (laughs) Look, I love Sweeney Todd. I love it. But the score is specifically designed to give you anxiety especially the main theme it's constructed to give you anxiety i do have to say i'm gonna disappoint my co-hosts here because i saw the film which i i agree is not great but it has my blorbo jamie campbell bauer in it so that is like the only <laughs> version of joanna that i like which is really sad because then Ew. when i heard the i know I, I said you would be disappointed <laughs> This is an audio medium, so you can't see the way my whole face crumpled up. <laughs> I can visualize it because I've I've been on the opposite end of that face before. This is not the first controversial thing I have said to you, but I love Jamie Campbell Bauer. Otherwise, yes, I still need to see the Angela Lansbury. So I'm 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 very happy that it is streaming. So now I can watch it. I I do love him as Anthony because he brought me my favorite meme of all time, which is someone who photoshopped a banana in his hand and just did screen time captioned, "I'll peel you, banana." <laughs> Nothing makes my sister, like, lose it laughing than me just sending her, I'll peel you, Joanna. But anyways, yeah, back on the score. The score of Sweetie Todd is absolutely, many many tracks designed to give you that sense of anxiety. So it's incredible. I love Sweetie Todd. But it does make me very anxious watching it, which is completely intention. That's that's the intention, the intended feeling it's supposed to give me. And as someone with high anxiety, it sets it off and I love it. I'm having a good time. But man, does it put me on edge. 
But speaking of Sondheim musicals, we recently saw the national tour of Into the Woods. Lynn's mom took us and it was so good. If you have a chance to catch it on this tour, I highly recommend it. It's a great cast. And the milky white puppet was so cute. That cow had the saddest eyes. The puppeteer was fantastic. So I've only ever seen a high school production of Into the Woods. And I was too mesmerized by the comedic timing of the kid who played Milky White to remember (laughs) anything else. Because I was laughing my tits off. They have like this music number, right? Like Jack and the cow, like he's singing about his cow and shit. And every time he pauses for Milky White, this kid was just sort of like limply swaying from side to side and would go, moo, moo. (laughs) And I was doubled over dying. Okay, that's very funny. It was great. I think like stage parents were thinking, what is that child doing? They're ruining this play. But I was like, this kid is going places. (laughs) As far as my rave and rants corner, uh, I don't know. I feel like I have nothing but rants. Like I have a chest cold and I'm missing out on all this glorious sunshine that I've been waiting 10 months for. I did have a good time in Seattle, at least, save for some health issues that cropped up. (sighs) Of course. But highlights include the Seattle Pinball Museum. Oh, so amazing. Eating a fuck ton of good food, some serious thrift finds, and seeing three movies that I hadn't seen before. So my friends and I went and saw Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. It was very good. So good. Uh, I saw Detective Pikachu. That was very cute. I was not expecting to be as excited as I was. It's a really sweet movie. It's a very sweet movie. It's a whodunit. So I think I could actually get my mom to sit through it. (laughs) (laughs) And then just like the fact that I've been playing Pokemon Go now for a full year, for a full year. And so I recognized all of the Pokemon. And that was very exciting for me. I was like, oh my God, look at this. Look at this. How cute were the Bulbasaur? The baby Bulbasaur's. The Bulbasaur's. And then, of course, let's be real. The real star of that movie, Psyduck. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) There is a little bit of Psyduck in all of us. At least I feel you can relate. Yes. (laughs) Psyduck. It's like, just leave Psyduck in the car. Leave Psyduck in the car. (laughs) (laughs) and then i saw free guy so it was like a ryan reynolds double feature at my friend's house (laughs) and free guy has our collective blorbo joe curie in it and it's such a wholesome movie please see it yeah i haven't seen it it looked like it could be fun oh oh i think you would really enjoy it elisa when you need to like have like a pick-me-up i think you should watch it where you're just like i just need to watch something really wholesome watch it it was really good So at least like I still had a good time and everything. I've just had like some health hiccups along the way, (laughs) but that's okay because I'm getting better and we appreciate your patience as I've been healing. And also we we celebrated my grandmother, my famo, which is a father's mother's in in Danish. That's what I call my grandmother. But it was her 100th birthday last week. Um, It was a week of activities for her. You can only be uh, so lucky to be as as just so so smart and still with it as as my Falmo is at 100 years old. So yeah, so thank uh, you, thank you again for for having patience with us. As you know, real life always has to take precedence. We appreciate you. Next time on Once Upon a Rewatch, Regina reluctantly teams up with Emma to search for their Snow Queen. Their Snow Queen. Oh my God, let me say <laughs> their Snow Queen. <laughs> their Snow Queen. Regina reluctantly teams up with Emma to search for the Snow Queen. Meanwhile, with Belle babysitting baby Neil, a nervous Mary Margaret and David prepare for their first date night away from the baby. Back in the past, young Emma finds herself a kindred spirit when she befriends a girl who, like her, is a runaway orphan. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is, your hand is not the enemy, Killian. You are your own worst enemy. Visit us at Spotify for podcasters to answer episodic questions, send us voice messages, or to find out other ways you can help support the podcast. You can find our page at podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash once upon a rewatch. If you enjoy Once Upon a Rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on your platform of choice. Talk fairy tales with us on Twitter at Once Upon Rewatch. 
on Instagram at Once Upon Rewatch. On Tumblr at onceuponarewatch.tumblr.com. The artwork for our podcast was by Lychee Riru. We want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro music is Fairy Tale Waltz. This podcast uses material from episode-specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. You leave Will alone, Killian. Don't you hurt him with your evil man. Your evil hand. Your evil man. Your evil man. (laughs) Don't you bring your evil man into this. Your your little man. Don't you bring that evil down on me, Ricky Bobby.